The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNestNeed on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. And actually, yes, our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings, always representing BK to the fullest, taking it back. We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! <laughs> Is Brooklyn in the house without a doubt? Just for some edit measure there. You right. can find this here. I was about to say, we get closer and closer to like radio DJ intros, right? You don't know how, <laughs> but there is a way for us to actually do that. And there, you just don't know how bad I, I want to actually do that. There, man, we, we, we can talk about that later, but man, you just don't know. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, I'm sorry anyway, to interrupt. Please no, no, carry no. You, no, no, you're good. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and leave us all the very positive five-star reviews, which is very important on Apple Podcasts. Gia. Uh, you can, most of the time, find us recording on uh, Thursday nights, 9.30-ish uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the, the, uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please click like, subscribe, and hit the notification button to find out or to be reminded when we are on because every once in a while when it is not Movie Protocol Week, we still end up recording and broadcasting on another day. So hit that notification button so you will know when we are on live. Indeed, and one such week was this week. It, while it, you know, while it wasn't movie protocol, although we could have, but you know, we we chose not to. Um, it could have been movie protocol week, but it wasn't. It's just that the the book deities uh, apparently were was having a little fun with us. Yes, um, before the weekend, before this holiday weekend. Yeah, you know, we were joking that uh, some 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 uh, some folks around the world even had taken the weekend early, had started their weekend early. Right. 
But what we're going to find out is it may or may not have something to do with some um, some internet outages that happened last night. We don't know because I have seen some stuff kind of pop up and our, our man Tim came through it for us when, uh, you know, when when things didn't. So shout out to Tim and Doug. Yes, when the going gets tough, the tough get rough. Yeah, all of that. Exactly. And speaking of getting going and getting rough. We are going to get into uh, talking about uh, this week's Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 2, which I can't remember the name of it right off the bat. I don't have a title in front of me. That's right. I'm about to look it up right now. Actually, I'm not even sure. Now that I think about it, I don't even remember if they even um, have titles. Have titles? Yeah. I don't recall. Well... The bottom line in this episode is that we get more background on what Fury and the Skrulls have been doing since the events of the Captain Marvel movie. And And some of the deals, um, double crosses and possibly triple crosses that have happened in the wake of some of the deals that were forged... Uh, or bargains being struck in the wake of uh, Talos or Talos and his group of Skrulls being rescued by Fury and company and Carol Danvers in the Captain Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought up the Talos-Talos thing because that's starting to get on my nerves. I mean, it's a Twilight Twilight, Twilight thing, but I, I and I get it. But I'm like, okay, can some y'all can come down on that if you really, really wanted to. <laughs> but but yes, to go on um, on what Angel Seven is saying. So interestingly enough, this uh, particular episode, which is called Promises, apparently, and the first episode was called Resurrection. Mm. Um, uh, the start of this uh, episode gives us a flashback, and in fact, starts in a way that you would have thought the first episode would have started by pretty much giving you um, a brief reintroduction or play-by-play of the events of Captain Marvel, even though we did get some spoken part of that in the first episode. This pretty much kind of goes, you know, kind of went through the motions. But it does it for a certain reason uh, as um, as you get into this. And we even get into, as Agent 70 said, some of the, the, the um, well, we definitely get into the potential motivation, well, we get into the motivations of why the the big bad is doing what they are doing which to me feels kind of flimsy but under kind of understandable in a way well that is kind of where the double cross lies because or at least the promise of being broken and there's a promise that is at the that that acts as like the, the, the premise of the show, the broken promise that is the premise of the show, in that there is a group of scrolls that have gathered, multiplied, and secretly expanded mm-hmm. on Earth since the events of the Captain Marvel movie. And uh, the reason why they were kept under wraps is because they were under the protection of Nick Fury. And Nick Fury, in exchange... On the condition of these scrolls working for him, he was able to protect them. Ultimately, though, he 
somehow didn't foresee the scrolls, you know, double crossing him and, you know, infiltrating the world at large. And we see a lot of that in this episode. I wanted to say shout out to uh, the bad guy from, uh, uh, oh my God, what's the, the, the Adam Sandler golfer movie? Oh my God. Why can't I remember? Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Wait, who was? I don't even remember who was the bad guy in that movie, but okay. But not, it wasn't Bob Barker, but it was the, right. the evil golfer. Um, he was the, um, the, oh, the, yeah. the Fox News guy. He was the Fox News guy. Yes, 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 yes. I knew it. Yeah, because I knew I remember that dude. Because I'm like, <laughs> yes, I've seen that dude. He, he's one of those ones like, yeah, you see him, you know, he's going to play either a bad guy or a jerk or so, or one yeah, com- exactly. combination of the exactly. two. Exactly. So, like, you just yes. see him, you're like, all right, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, you are absolutely right. <laughs> right, so shout out to him. But 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 but, in, you know, as I said, uh, that's essentially, you know, I understand where where Gra- uh, Gravik, that's the uh, the main bad guy. I, I understand his motivation. So that's actually good. Right. How he goes about it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a little on the over the top side, but OK. Just a um, yeah, just a little. You know, we still have we still have yet to see with four episodes left. What role Amelia, Amelia Clark's Gaia is going to play, um, and uh, we actually have an idea now that uh, what ended up happening uh, at the end of episode one, which was kind of a cliffhanger, wasn't much of a cliffhanger. It was, in fact, the final thing. Supposedly, we'll supposedly, see. right? Like there, there still could be a turn on that that uh, that'll come back up later on or in the end as such right. things happen, but. Yeah, so far as we know right now, yeah, that look like that might be that might be it. Right. Um, um, a couple other key points, uh, or at least a couple of points. You know, I don't know if they're key, but uh, Olivia Coleman still putting on a class <laughs> in her portrayal. She's probably, she, she's probably the best part of the show right now. Yeah, pretty pretty much. You know, because everything else is, um, you know, what her part in is also a, a thing that's going to, I guess, come to bear at some point. But um, she's right, definitely right, right. playing. Uh, an homage to a legacy character, I guess you could say. Sure, sure, sure. And we get and, and we get uh, uh, War Machine uh, <laughs> not in his suit, but but and, very much references a couple of different times. Right, he's like, oh, <laughs> oh if I just had my suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, by and, the way, uh, my other suit is titanium. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And um, uh, what you gonna call it? And uh, uh, we have a sit down between um, Fury and uh, and uh, Rhodey. Rhodey. I was about to say Rhodes, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Which actually might have been the best part of the um, of of this episode for me because that is a conversation. Like the underpinnings of that conversation is one that I have definitely seen and or not necessarily been a part of per se, but mm. definitely have seen before. You know, in cases, and well, maybe have been part of, but regardless, you know, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I see this conversation for what it is, for for where it is. Didn't expect it. To, well, again, no, I guess I probably could have expected it the, the, for it to have ended the way it was, especially if you're given their roles in the MCU at this point. Also, the only thing that kind of made me curious the whole time Rhodey was around uh, I know there's also speculation that you know is he a scroll is he a not scroll because everybody else you know blah 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 but it, granted it has been some time since Civil War and his um and his in his accident 
I, I kind of wonder, like, he seemed to be walking pretty good, or he's got some Stark tech under there that we don't actually get to see, which I mean, is slightly irrelevant at this point, but I'm, but I'm kind of curious. I feel like that's what the result of that was. Yeah, because we know he had some, um, you know, during the course of, like, uh, uh, Endgame or number two, or at least I think even at the end of that uh, movie or something. But mm-hmm. um, but whether you know Tony before he died, spoiler alert, I guess <laughs> had time to kind of stream like it as he t- tends to do, or whatever the case may be, and you know to help with the healing, or whether they're just saying like, nope, he's very much healed or something, which I doubt that very seriously for for something like that. So that was a curiosity, but we also did get some nuggets of things from from the MCU past that kind of came up on a screen that was like. Huh. Okay. The scrolls are kind of up to something. Uh we know they're doing a thing that while we don't have certain other people in place to help that come about, there seems to be coming out a whole new door to do a thing. Right, potentially. Um and that in itself is is, is another part of this that I'm wondering if we're going to get to uh see played fully out because we only have four excuse me more episodes to go i mean you know i i I, we're rapidly getting to the halfway point so Mm -hmm. we will see where we are at the halfway point and see you know where this all may play out there is a hint well uh i don't know if they're going to go into the concept the full concept of this is a predecessor or precursor to the traditionally fantastic four powered scroll i'll leave well, it at that yeah that's that's we where see, I was right we do see hints of that so we'll, we'll see how that develops right so this definitely seems to be that kind of out there um as far as the amelia clark character um i'm kind of wondering whether she's probably going to take a similar place as she has in other properties, notably uh, Star Wars, with her character kind of taking a similar thing. But anyway, who's to say, you know, who's to say what's going to happen at the end of this? Maybe she may not even make it out of this. We don't, we don't know. Right. Uh, we, we'll we, see. Yeah, we don't know too much about anything. But yeah, the, the end of the show, to kind of to put a point on it, uh, leaves a question that Adrian Seventy and I kind of talked about right before the show as to whether there's some knowledge of a thing. Because at this point, Fury has uh, found out some stuff that he's kind of kind of upset about and has been giving some other bad news, in, in, or some other news, I should say, uh, during the course of this whole um, uh, uh, episode. Uh, and we are kind of curious to know whether something that happens at the end is something he knows about or not. And I'm assuming we're going to find that out next uh, uh, episode, but I'm, it's not known. Right, right. We'll find out at some point during this story, you know, d- during the, the course of this series. But yeah, I, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting <clears throat> uh, cliffhanger that leads to a lot, of, a lot more speculation. So. Right. It's actually kind of funny because I went up, I went to look up something and come to find out that a certain er- uh, character, uh, excuse me, a certain actress that shows up in this episode is someone that has worked with Samuel Jackson before, um, in two different movies by the same director, 
play. I mm-hmm. think they were playing two different parts. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure because I don't think I've watched. I watched one of them, but I don't remember watching the other. I definitely haven't watched the other one. So it's kind of amusing to see them playing uh, against each other again in uh, in a non Shyamalan movie. <laughs> right. So. That's kind of interesting, but other than that, like it was, it was a pretty good episode. I'm continuing to liking it and find out. I don't know what is the temperature out in the the internet about um, Secret Invasion. Like I know I've uh, um, former guest of the show BDM said he was like uh, he must be the only one on the island that likes uh, the Secret Invasion, and I'm like, no, nah, that's maybe his island. Yeah, right. I'm like, um, I'm like, no, that's not true. But I, but also, I have not necessarily seen anybody come out yeah or nay about you know too much about it outside of what we've been talking about anyway. Right. So it is interesting because normally you know these things come out and they, you know minute one people are like either this sucks or this is or maybe they're giving it a chance to breathe. I think everyone's waiting for the mystery to unfold. Maybe you know, you know to how see that... who all the scrolls are going to be revealed to be, and I think that I think is what every, what's giving everyone a little bit of pause to just wait, which is unusual if that is the case, right. because you know as well as I do, jokes are like I don't like this or this and that other. other. When is it going to get there? But we yeah, so far like I haven't seen too much, but maybe that stuff's been around. Who's I say? think at the end of the day, it's not tasked with adapting the secret invasion storyline per se I don't you know, know so i think know that it. what's that i don't even know how many of them actually know the storyline at this point true enough true enough true enough but at the end of the day you know i think everyone's willing to you know give these mystery uh shows a little bit of time to develop mm-hmm. actually the and, and the last thing before we, we move on that is probably the other thing uh that has um has uh, has got me stoked, and that's well, not stoked, but uh, got me curious about doing, because um, I have not read secret. I know I have never read Secret Invasion. I know some of the finer points, and I know what happens after that in um, Dark Dark whatever it was. You know, I know the the points, kind of going into it from Secret Wars uh, from Civil War, excuse me, and kind of <laughs> here and there. But I've never read it because like during that time I wasn't really reading a whole lot. But I have the the um, the trade in a couple of different ways, and I'm kind of curious just to just for giggles to read it. But also, it kind of feels like, damn, am I going to have to read Civil War again? I don't think so. But or am I going to have to read um, a Dark Reign just to get the the, the uh, what ends up happening? So we'll see if that actually happens. But uh, who's who's to say? Anu, you got anything else to? to no, 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 we can move on. All right, cool. So we're going to get into books then. Uh, and we said, since uh, this is a weird week and um, the books were not flowing as they normally do, or uh, at the time they normally do, but we finally got them, we're going to start off as I'm um, stalling for time. Amazing Spider-Man number 28. Amazing Spider-Man number 28 is written by Zeb Wells. It has pencils by Ed McGuinness, inks by Mark Farmer, and colors by Marcio Meniz. Of course it's lettered by the busiest letter 
at VC, our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. Interestingly, we follow up on the events of our previous issue immediately with John Jonah Jameson. His full name being evoked here in this issue. <laughs> John Jonah Jameson. Acting human. Acting a compassionate. So it's a bunch of robotic arms. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most adorable thing about this uh, issue. It's like, damn, Jonah, Jonah's an old softy. As I said in my notes, Jonah's an old softy when he's not demanding pictures of Spider-Man. You know, I kind of got a kick out of that. I was like, oh, you know, it, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed uh, uh, Wells kind of poking fun at, uh, at Jonah's like normal demeanor in that regard. And obviously he used Peter as a, a stand in for the rest of us. Like, hey, man, who knew, right. you know? Right. So uh, um, the, uh, the, the current updated upgraded version of dr octopus is uh pretty creepy and obviously uh that seems to be the um the the, the going uh i guess trope for every supervillain at least in, in in the uh in, in 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 the current uh climate is that they all have to upgrade themselves somehow in order to to, to get a leg up on um, on uh, on our heroes, and they have to use uh, uh, how how can I put this? <laughs> Technological upgrades that involve smaller, uh, more AI, more you know, like that seems to be like the the way they uh, they, they they upgrade, like smaller, more AI, and um, uh, I guess being able to break up into smaller parts, right? Modular, that seems I to guess. be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Making, making, I guess modular. That's not necessarily what I was thinking, but no, I guess that's what but, it comes down to, right? And you know, but that 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 seem, you know, those seem to be like the main tropes that the that the villains use to try to upgrade their their capabilities. You know, go smaller, go faster, go you know, multiple pieces and, and use more uh, AI, you know, for independent uh, functioning. I don't, I'm not sure AI. Well, I guess it may be a, a form of, but uh, the way he describes it, um, I guess technically he may, maybe he already always has used uh, some sort of, some form of AI. Uh, and you know, because I mean, obviously, when Doc Ock kind of came across, you know, came, came up, and the accident that happened is like, no, the temperatures just move because of its thoughts or whatever the case may be. But it was a little bit more to it than that. That's been kind of fleshed out over the years. Right, 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 right. And that's part of what I'm saying is right. that you know, the, you know, every, you know, all, all the stories <laughs> kind of uh, improve on that, just to, or at least to advance that idea. And I understand what your point is, you know, or your counterpoint being that this is. Uh, supposed to be tapping into a different part of Ock's brain, and that's what changes how this, the uh, the arms here work. Right. 
So it's 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 it is nonetheless interesting that it is, uh, as Agent Seven says, kind of comes together the way it is. I'm still saying that the arms kind of does have a, a across the Spider Verse look to a point, not directly, <laughs> but it 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 kind of feels uh, kind of feels similar. So I guess that that. But the main thing is Doc Ock's a threat. <laughs> it's not to say that he's never has been before, but you know, um. You know, as uh, much of a a threat, at least in recent years, that he has been uh, in in this here story. It's like, okay, Doc, I see you. You <laughs> you put it all together. You like get one step ahead, putting some almost some Doctor Doom like qualities in your in your repertoire. Um, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see how this uh, plays out going forward. But you know, so far, Doc Ox has. Um, the upper hand. Oh no, <laughs> the upper arm maybe. Anyway, you know. moving on. <laughs> I was about to say I don't even want to hit the the the, 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 the rump snare. That's fine. It wasn't it, worth it. <laughs> there it is. All uh, right, that was moving. Nice, thank you. Silk number two of five is next. All right, let's see. Silk. Number two of five is written by Emily Kim with art by Iguara, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. So I will just very briefly say at the beginning of this issue, I was mildly confused. Mm-hmm. Just mildly. Because I was like, wait, weren't we in like some crazy dreamscape at the end of the last issue but that was quickly reestablished in this but Mm -hmm. what i did like about this once that initial confusion wore off is that it set us up into uh the current status quo of cindy moon like family life right enemy life a mix of family and enemy life yeah, so <laughs> I will I will hand it off to Roddy Cat with that. That's that was how that was what I took away from this issue is that it was a, a nice kind of subtle way of reestablishing what Cindy's status quo is. Uh, uh, in addition to continuing, you know, previously spun stories, and I say spun, you know, obviously uh-huh. on purpose. Um, previously spun stories in prior miniseries. Right, specifically the last one. Um, well, I guess the last one, and I guess there was a footnote to um, her very first series, but regardless. Um, right. Yeah, the, uh, apparently her um, her current uh, nemesis, uh, adversaries, have uh, <laughs> brought the plot to her home, to her doorstep. Actually. Actually. So... Um, yeah, that was like that was kind of bold. I'm like, yeah, you know, she this this um uh this this lady and her and her brother just has always seemed kind of bold. I didn't think they were going to be this bold, clearly enough. And uh, so we're here getting the plot, or uh, getting the the part that uh, apparently they need something from her, uh, from her subconscious, let's just say, which is why they have her um. Under duress, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, right? Uh, and the, and they keep changing the channel because she's fighting it. Uh, hence, what Agent Seven was talking about, uh, how the last uh, episode, last issue left off, and how we're coming in. 
But uh, it seems we have a, a, another person that is in play, and that being uh, Cindy's brother, Albert, who every time they reference something about him coming into him, I, I totally forget. Because and there is a footnote in there about one such thing. I was like, yeah, I vaguely still don't remember when he even came into the, to the fold. And I've read pretty yeah. much most, of, if not all of uh, the books. Same, same, same. I forgot all about him, to be honest. Right. And I was like, wait, Goblin? Well, yeah, and the whole Goblin thing. I was like, wait, did that? Was That was a thing? Okay, sure, whatever. But regardless, so uh, he um, has uh, stumbled into what's been going on and... Uh, you know, seems to be playing a part that uh, has um, has um, taken it up to someone else's doorstep. Let's just say, right? <laughs> and I guess, I guess I shouldn't be surprised whose doorstep that uh, that that it landed on in this situation. But I'm like, huh? I'm not sure. I, I almost said I was going to say I'm not sure how and why you um, figured to go there, but hey, you know. Known, known people are known people, right? Yeah, I was about to say that and, you know, trying to keep it in the community, I of guess. Of course. You know? That, that especially, uh, but uh, yes. You know? <laughs> uh, it's just... <laughs> you know what's funny about that? And, I'll, and, I'll, and, 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 and I guess one of the funny things about, like, the current state of the Avengers is that there's no Avengers mansion. There's no... You know, uh, Four Freedoms Plaza or the Baxter Building right now. Actually, Avengers Mansion is a hotel. That's I remember. Right, right, but, but you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, there's what? no like, where else can she can he run? Right. Well, I mean, the 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 the. the oh, right. Well, I guess depending on what it is, the the Baxter Building or whatever it's being called right now is in space. You're right. Right. On, yeah, they're they're on, on a farm. They're on whatchamacallit. They're on the right. Fantastic Four farm in Arizona. Right. Depending on when this is being set. Yeah, you're right. So, hmm. Well, the X-Men. They're still... <laughs> That's true. That's very true. They are still... You know, this is all pre-fall of X. So they are. They do still have the treehouse on... I think it's in the 50s. Right. I think it might be near Columbus Circle. But yeah, it's something like that. Right. Outside of that, yeah, there's other spider... Spider people who happen to be around, which I guess in this point was probably Miles, which you know he's you know, de- again depending on there. There are people around, but I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, right, he's, right. He's, so like, you know what I mean? Right. It's kind of funny like that. Like we grew up thinking, oh, you know, you need help, you're gonna run to Avengers Mansion, you're gonna run to the Baxter Building, right? And her brother wouldn't necessarily know where the other Spider people would hang at, what would be in the first place. So that would definitely rule that out. And yeah, like like you said, the new the the known quantities that would people would know about it are kind of scattered to the winds right 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 so it's interesting that you mentioned it that it's like wait you know what where else would he go right yeah. like yeah it looks at like the, the x-men are pretty much the only ones and if you do there's no telling what it would but obviously story story reasons like you said is, right. is why they landed where they did sure um, but nevertheless hey you know we, we're still getting a story out of it and we'll see and the particular person that shows up at the end has definitely been uh, getting some play, <laughs> you know, in, in the book they're they're related to, and um, outside of that. So, right, sure, why not? Exactly, exactly. I expect, All right, I wouldn't expect expecting Shang Chi to just be in the area, you know. Uh, you know, or technically, you, you know, we. I was about to say technically, we. You know, he's supposed to have a base in New York too, but. Uh, I don't remember what happened at the at the end of his last series. Wait, wait I thought he was still in uh, San Francisco. 
I think they put him in San Francisco almost like uh, as if there was a movie that the, the <laughs> Oh, that's right, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I just remember they had like the flying beast thing. Right. And I remember that being in New York. But you could be right. I think they did put him right back in San Francisco. Right. So, yeah. Um so yeah, and, and again, he wouldn't probably know where where he would hang out. It's just like they say, it would be one of those things. Like, yeah, okay, just what happens to run into one of these other people, you know, who happen to be here, who normally wouldn't, or whatever the case may be. Then that would be a different story. But this seems more organic anyway, you know, for whatever odd reasons. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna get into our last book of the week, which is. I'm excuse me. Our last uh, book uh, that we both read together, I should say, not not. All right, right. The last book we have in common is She-Hulk number fourteen. It's written by Rainbow Roll, with art by Andres Genolet, colors by D. Cuniff, and letters by again the busiest letterer over at VC VC's Joe Caramagna. So. I enjoyed this issue because it definitely hit a little too close to home uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, getting to know someone of the opposite sex uh, in a dating situation. And things often go awry. And that is exactly what goes on here. Take it away, Rodicat. Yep, this is true. So, Jen uh, coming into this uh, uh, issue, a little frustrated because, you know, while she does have relations at home, but apparently we don't know, you know, that relations is kind of somewhere in uh, somewhere in this particular place, which is, in this case, blowing them off. Yeah, she's kind of has uh, another person sn- kind of was sniffing around her that she's uh that uh that she's been apprehending basically uh, or helping the um Fantastic Four apprehend but she feels like maybe without her even knowing has other reasons for pursuing this person uh who apparently went quiet uh at the beginning of this uh who ne- who is um now shown himself again and uh laying the gambit down aka the the, the old smooth charms you know, uh, as Agent Seventy said, it's c- kind of like a first date situation until um, some would say the shoe drop. You get the or you get to know the a f- certain aspect of the uh, of the person that you're uh, kind of getting to know, uh, dating or getting that first date out with, or whatever the case may be, uh, and that kind of changes things. But overall, yeah, this this whole issue was was uh, yeah. I don't know. Like it's been, I have been married for quite a while, so I'm old and washed. So, <laughs> but, uh, although I have I, I have had a date here uh, one you know here here and there every at times. Uh, I guess officially, I don't know. But yeah, there's some so there's certain ones that are like to kind of go a certain way. It's like oh man, this is kind of going a certain way, and then oh damn. You just had right. to be that person, huh? Or right, right, just had right, to come right. out. You know, you pull on a thread and it unravels. Mm-hmm. Ask a question and you go down a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just happens. Take it from Agent underscore 70, folks. <laughs> it happens. In, indeed, indeed. 
So otherwise, other, otherwise that, you know, um, She-Hulk is continuing to be a, a delightful book, I, I dare say. There was a point in the beginning of the book where uh, uh, Jenna was talking to the Fantastic Four, and like, like I said, she's a little, little, uh, little of upset because of, not necessarily because of the conversation, although I'm sure that didn't help, but, um, you know, the, the things going around. But basically, Sue says something about their names, and I don't know if that was like a little fourth wall breaking or not, but she she mentioned that. I was like, yeah, you're right, because they are. But she says something about their name, people's names being fake when you first hear them. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, and I'm right. like, yeah, y'all's are, because... <laughs> xyz so i i got a little kick out of that because of the fact you know like yeah comics but like i don't know if that was meant to to break any any walls or not but i was like huh, that was an, an an amusing aside so but yeah she looks pretty good uh if, if you uh if you uh enjoy the jay Giantess like we do check us out it's been it's been pretty consistently decent good i won't say decent better than decent but you know good uh and that folks uh, is you know what i was gonna oh, add Go very quick Hmm? This is a, a, this is definitely a worthy payoff for the tease of this particular character for a couple of issues now, right? That he was going to be just like this and worse. Yeah, we knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when and and when happened. Right. Yeah. I thought it was a I thought it was a worthy payoff. And it was like, oh, I'm this, and it just kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, to what end this character is going to play a part in Jen's life uh, going forward, or at all? Like, because I feel like they're going to there's there's still a little bit of will they won't they, and you know, you know, and um, interfering with her current relationship mm-hmm. uh, going forward, and how long that's still going to land, we don't last, we don't know, because there might be something going on with that, but we'll see, we shall see. All right, folks, that is it for the comics that we have um, in common. We're going to get to the rapid-fire stuff, so let's spin it up. Spinning it up? I ain't got time to bleed. All right. First up for me is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number 14. It's written by Tochi Onyabuchi with art by Zay Carlos, colors by Jesus Bertov, and Proto Bunkers Fair, Steve Fuentes, Sujo. And letters again by our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. This is the last issue of this run, of this volume, of this series, because some stuff is going to happen with Captain America coming up, sh- uh, coming up soon in advance of setting up a status quo ahead of Captain America New World Order. Hulk Hogan and uh, Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash will not show up there, but. I will say in this issue, we do have a little bit of um, closure and some teases for things moving forward. We do find out what may or may not happen to the current Falcon. And, uh, you know, we're just waiting to see uh, what direction they decide to take Captain America in the near future. Next up is Ghost Rider number 15, written by Benjamin Percy with pencils by Corey Smith. Inks by Oren Jr., colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Johnny Blaze is on a mission to rescue his brother, Danny Ketch, but he needs to go into hell to do it. 
sounds like every ghostwriter story, doesn't it? So ultimately, that is the crux of this. You know, the reasons for it are 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 a little bit different, but that's essentially the crux of this story. And uh, read it to see how it goes. Next up is Thor number thirty-five. It's written by Torun Grunback with pencils by Sergio Davila and Juan Gideon, inks by Sean Parsons and Juan Gideon, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is the last issue of this volume of Thor. The Immortal Thor run, which is written by Al Ewing, is coming up in uh, a couple of months. So this run needed to come to a to an end. This is the Donny Cates run uh, that was taken over by Torun Grunback after a while. So ultimately, um, you know, this ended up being an okay story, some time travel stuff. I I think that. Uh, this current volume of Thor needed to end. I, I agree with the idea of re, not rebooting it, but refreshing it with a new story and a new number one. And if it's called Immortal Thor, my curiosity is piqued because Al Ewing is writing it. And we all know what kind of story he spun, what kind of story he told. Story he spun, tale he told, if I'm going to stick with the alliteration. With another character that he that he used Immortal in the title for, that being Immortal Hulk. So I'm on board for that. I want to see that happen. That we love. Last, you're saying? I said that we loved. So yes. I'm actually kind yeah, of yeah. curious to. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in that Thor book because of that. Right, because just to see where Al Ewing takes it. Last but not least is X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse Number 1. It's written by Al Ewing, with art by Luca Pizzara, Stefano Landini, and Raphael Pimento. Colors by C.C. De La Cruz, and letters by V.C.'s Travis Lanham. So, again, Before the Fall, these are like, uh, not prequel comics, but definitely setting the stage and the context for the Fall of X event that's coming up this summer or later this summer, since we've already just started summer. Ultimately, this served a great purpose for me. And I recommend reading this if you don't recall a lot of the stuff that was in, and a lot of the things that happened in and around Ten of Swords. Read this. Read the text parts. Not just the comic parts, but the text parts. Including the recap up front. And you will be far better informed as to what the hell you were reading in Ten of Swords. And what the whole point of that was. Because I had forgotten a lot of that. I kind of maybe glossed over a lot of that just to get to the point of the story. And I just forgotten it. So I think this issue serves a great, uh, you know, it, 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 it serves a, a, a particular point, which is to clear up a lot of either misinformation for that you might have or just to refresh your memory on why that stuff with Arako and Ten of Swords and with Saturn 9 uh, all mattered. Alrighty. And that's it for me. Alright. And uh, we go over to my books. Starting off with... Yeah, I need to read that X-Men book. But I also need to catch up with a couple other things uh, related to that. So, is this the white one? I think so. I'm not sure. doesn't matter. 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures number four of four, or I believe of four. Um, it didn't necessarily say, but uh, regardless, no, I guess I think I have it as of four. So hopefully that's the case. Either way, um, this is the um, the last ep- issue of uh, the continuing adventures of the uh, Dungeons and Dragons crew from the eighties cartoon. Uh, if you're of a certain advantage, you will you will know of it and know of it fondly, possibly. Um, I, I kind of feel like I I might actually go back and revisit that cartoon and um, the last episode that was never officially produced, actually, uh, but is out there in in places. Regardless, um, you know there are certain things that are are to be true in this thing. The the crew ends up trying to find a way home. Uh, they run a run a file of adventure. Uh, Dungeon Master, Master kind of pops in and out at times. All of these things happen in in this particular um, uh, series and in this actually issue because you know what are some things going to happen? Um, so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, hey, <laughs> um, you know, they got the spirit of it pretty pretty well down. There are certain things that are kind of different though in that um, there had been some discourse in in the within various uh, members of the group and uh, most notably uh, the quote unquote leader Hank and Sheila um, and uh, apparently as I say in my notes the, the uh, person who wrote this book must be a Sheila fan because um, her personality from the old cartoon and in this has kind of taken a, a slight change she kind of she kind of um, some would say come out came out of her shell a little bit I guess <laughs> but I guess you know they spend a lot of times in in the forgotten uh, realm, so you know things tend to change and happen. Also, you know, uh, Hank on the other side of that was like, yeah, we've been doing this so long. Kind of had a, has his own little crisis of faith or whatever the case may be. So that kind of things kind of been on. So the tone of this uh, the book has kind of stayed with um, stayed the the course on the the actual animated series, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken. There had been some other comic books in the past off of these folks that I've been meaning to find um, uh, that, you know, or at least they've they've shown up in other places, I should say, apparently including that new uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie. So, um, but yeah, they... um, some of some things, like I said, kind of stayed the same. Some of them were slightly different. Uh, there's a weird fastball special that happens here that was like, huh, I wasn't expecting that to be the case. But hey, you know, <laughs> um, comics are not in a vacuum or, you know, or I guess certain comics are definitely not done in a vacuum. So, but otherwise that, like I said, if you're of a certain vintage or even if you're not and like Dungeons and Dragons and may or may not know who these folks are, you may still enjoy the story here um and may even want to go back and and see if you can find the the animated version uh the ceremony stuff because there are damn sure aren't any ceremony cartoons anymore to go um <laughs> to go look for and speaking of saturday morning cartoons which this was not one of as i recall um teenage mutant ninja turtles saturday morning adventures continued number two so this is the new ongoing based off of the same saturday morning adventures um uh, thing, but this time with the turtles, 
the 86 uh, or 84, whatever. Yeah, for the 86, I think. Basically, the animated turtles from the 80s uh, version. So we're back in that world. Um, and actually, I forgot to give the thing. Story by Eric Burnham, art by Jack Lawrence, letters by Ed Dukeshire, and colors by Raul Angulo for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, was written by David M. Boer, art by George Cambadius, letters by Ed Dukeshire, and uh, colors by George Cambadius and Kendall Good. So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, like I said, is ongoing, uh, based in the world of the animated uh, Turtles series. The, they've um, basically the Rat King, um, his powers kind of got wonky and ended up finding him in um, uh, being able to, c- to control the turtles. Um, one of them got free and trying to, and basically went and um, you know trying to find the, a way to uh, to um, free his brothers with the help of Master Splinter and April O'Neil as things seem to happen. Uh, at the same time, uh, Shredder, you know, the, the bad guy, stole a rock uh, that seems to um, uh, have some properties that he and Crane need, let's just say. Uh, so there is a whole thing uh, with that, and I'm sure that all of that's going to come together in an in issue or two. The funny thing and weird thing about this is that I have been reading Shredder's in uh, James Avery's voice, a.k.a. Uncle Phil, a.k.a. the the voice of Shredder from the 80s cartoon, may he rest in peace. And um, that's a good part, but also kind of sad because he's no longer with us, like I said. Uh, But the fact that you can be able to do that with this book is, um, I guess, is a testament to it. So, but yeah, if you like the turtles, the 80s turtles specifically, you know, um, you'll probably enjoy this book. Keeping down the cartoon train, we have Darkwing Duck. Hmm. Uh, number six, script by Amanda Daybert, arts and colors by Carlo Lauro, uh, letters by Jeff Eckleberry. So last uh, issue, um, uh, Gosling's school got taken over by Dr. No Good. Uh, and all of it, her, uh, all of the students got brainwashed and are brainwashed, and seemingly taking over the town. And now Darkwing and Gosling in her uh, costume. The I don't know if this is. I can't remember if this is new or not. But she now has a costumed identity that is kind of Green Arrow ish. Uh, let's say, are um, uh, are um, are going after him, which of course the usual suspects of. Um, of uh, Launchpad McQuack, whatnot. Uh, there seems to be a team up slash double cross happening between uh, Darkwing and uh, a, a villain. And of course, we have another long standing Darkwing Duck villain coming into the fold. Not surprising, considering, as we talked about last week, uh, this character is going to have their own um, a comic book series coming up somewhat so- shortly. So, not surprising that this. Um, this is this character showing up, but it, the whole thing, which is kind of made this a potential click of the week for me, kind of ended up in a, um, let's say an Avengers slash justice league esque battle, uh, at the end of this, that was quite, quite fun for this uh, particular world. So, which they had already kind of established something like that in, during the course of Darkwing duck. So not surprising, but, um, it was cool. Uh, next up, speaking of green arrow, we have Green Arrow number three, 
of uh, six. Uh, actually, I forgot to put that there. For a second. Boop. Written by Joshua Williamson, art by Sean Isaacs, uh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Troy Pateri. So, a couple of things happened here that I wasn't quite certain of in reading this book is that, uh, uh, but a, one of which uh, is um, apparently Ali and Leanne, his, I guess, granddaughter, I can't remember what she is to him, regardless of some relation to him, are kind of bouncing around teleporting. Or at least specifically, she was definitely, but he has also. And it's all in service of something that apparently uh, Oliver kind of helped set in motion in the past because he has, because of, um, I don't think it's a crisis, but a crisis-like thing that he Mm. and his family may or may not um, have started, but he got some he got some warning on, so he kind of set a plan in motion to kind of offset that, which is why certain things um, have been happening in this particular uh, book. Of course, this is the whole thing. It was a retcon, and in, in well, there's a retcon in here. There's a couple of retcons in here, which, one, that was what I just said has been the case, but also um, uh, the character of Leanne had... Uh, died some years ago uh and that there was a retcon that has to do with what's going on that was explained in this book um as to why she's around now let's just say so you know fans of uh those characters may be interested to uh to, to know about that um meanwhile we got another thing uh on the side of that with uh arsenal and uh black canary basically trying to find ali and leanne and there went to go talk to uh, one Amanda Waller, uh, who apparently has has a part of everything that I've just said. And they run a file, run into Peacemakers. I can't remember what the other Peacemakers name is, but basically it's Peacemaker and another Peacemaker-like character that is a female. Um, and Peacemaker and Arsenal kind of get into a stupid uh, shooting match. So that kind of tells you some things right there. So that was kind of amusing. Uh, next up is uh, City Boy number two of six. There we go, which is a new book from DC, written by uh, Greg Pak, with art by Ming Yu Jung, colors by Sunny Go, and letters by Wes Abbott. Um, so basically, this is the story of a, a, of a dude, young dude named uh, Cameron. Like, I want to say maybe college age, I guess. At this point, I'm not sure, but he has the power to, um, I think I said this last time I talked about him. He basically has the power to feel the city and manipulate the city, um, in the short order, uh, last issue. And part of this issue, we get how he got those, um, powers. And let's just say part of this, um, it, Part of that has to do with the machinations of a DC big bad uh, that I'm sure is going to come uh, come into play at some point. Um, and I will also mention that uh, Cameron is, I don't know if he's based, but he's definitely in Metropolis at this point. Uh, so you can imagine who shows up or who's going to show up if you're going to be uh, in Metropolis and things tend to happen. 
which does and which which uh, happens. And apparently Bruno Mannheim and Intergang also has uh, something to do with it. So that could also tell you a little bit more about the, who the big bad might be. Um, but overall, hey, it's been a curiously interesting book so far. So, uh, last book for myself. An interesting potential click of the week for me, actually. Must have the chagrin of uh, Agent 70. Uh, Avengers Beyond number four or five, written by Derek Landy, penciled by Greg Land. Ooh, I'm dying! I was waiting. I knew that was going to happen. Um, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, uh, basically, the Beyonders have been trying to... Uh, get the Avengers kind of set up for a big bad that was kind of after him for a reason. That's been the course of this whole... Actually, this, I think, the last um, maybe part of the last um, uh, miniseries. But regardless, um, last issue, the Beyonder kind of did the Avengers dirty, so they're trying to... Uh, they're going to try to get some recompense from that. But before that, they have uh, some other things to kind of take care of, such as uh, a set of uh, bootleg Avengers that they're fighting in the beginning, uh, in the during the course of this issue. And I told Agent Seventy, even though I, he is not interested in this book because of the art, but I want him to read, at the very least, this particular issue, at least one part, because there was an amusing, um, there was an uh, um, amusing bit of um, back and forth between. Thor and the Thor-like um, that that was kind of amusing here. I'll try to flip through it and, you know, uh, hold down the vomit, I guess. <laughs> it's not that bad. Stop it. Um, but yeah, as folks may know, Agent 70 and, and, uh, does not like Red Lance art, so... Oh! <laughs> but um, but to, to kind of cap it all off, so while the Avengers are bu- busy, the Beyonder, who again, like I said, has double crossed the um, the uh, the Avengers, find himself in a particular pickle himself because of some other people who uh, some other entities that he has um, um, uh, p- pissed off in his machinations, which uh, leads to something at the end of this that I'm very curious as to whether it's going to stick or not. Uh, but I guess we shall see. And that, folks, is uh, are, are all my books. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Um, I don't think we got anything from our other co-host because I had um, I totally have gotten to put the word out until until a little earlier, which is probably the, which is the thing some of y'all have heard. Right. <laughs> um. And I don't believe they answered back. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was waiting for you to see that. I'm like, if you didn't see it, you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so no, nothing from those guys. Do you have yours? I am thinking about choosing between like two, maybe three books. Do you have a clear cut favorite? Do not. Are you going with that Avengers Beyond book? Um, that is still a candidate, and the other candidates uh, are pretty much that Dungeons and Dragons and the and actually probably Duck Green Duck. Um, 
at this point. Right. I got a real kick out of reading She-Hulk number 14. I, I, I'm not kidding. I thought yeah, that, that was like so well done, well mm-hmm. drawn by Andre Genole. Mm-hmm. Um, I also enjoyed uh, parts of Thor number 35, which actually, you know, believe it or not, was actually a pretty solid concluding issue. You know, because it definitely, you know, Grumbeck wrapped up a lot of the stuff that I'd kind of glossed over in terms of like the, 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 the continuing plot lines. And oh, look at that. Hmm, okay. We do have one. I, I Something that you read that. too. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. We'll get to that in a second, but go ahead and finish it up. Right. So, but I think I'm going to choose what I said during my recaps, during my, 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 my rapid fire uh, reviews was. Uh, to go with uh, X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse number one. Because it, it, it proved to be so such a great crash course and refresher on uh, stuff leading up to Fall of X that comes out of Ten of Swords. You know, I kind, you know, I kind of glossed over a lot of the Arako stuff, but mm-hmm. this issue does a, an excellent job of kind of recapping that and fleshing it out and fast forwarding to now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it. I guess the curious thing um, with with all of that stuff is like, yeah, I feel like there has been some stuff from Hoxpox that hasn't necessarily borne out that we haven't really seen much of, and right. now there are essentially probably about. I don't know if they're killing it outright, but we're kind of coming to a head and, and kind of coming to an end of. Um, what seems to be the Krakoan era of the X-Men. Although, like I said, we don't know how, how it's going to end out. Right. Uh, it may just be another version. I mean, another... We, we, I think what's been teased right now is that the, the Krakoan era is going to end the way we know it, but Krakoa itself may not be at an end. We'll see. Which would be great. Right. Yeah. So, I, so, so that being said, you know, this book seems, as what you said, kind of wrapping some of that stuff all, all back into the to the case seems to be a good thing. Like there, there seems to be a good bit of loose ends <laughs> that we did not, yeah. that we haven't, uh, that we haven't even talked about in this whole thing. Um. So yeah, we did get um, we did get a quick click of the week from Dirt, and his was uh, Green Arrow number three of six. Says um, it was interesting this week, so he'll go with that. So, which, yeah, I agree with it. It definitely was. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And for myself, like I said, the Dungeons and Dragons, I, 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 I have enjoyed that immensely the whole time through. The Turtles also, but uh, the Darkwing Duck uh, episode was quite punny, which not surprising. Uh, Green Arrow was, was definitely interesting. Avengers Beyond, that one, like, that is kind of the the one that's the the teetering it for me um by the way it ended um you know what yes i will actually go with that because i was actually two seconds away from going with uh darkwing duck because i i enjoyed that a, a good bit it, it was uh it was quite amusing but i actually am where did i put it going to go with uh avengers uh beyond number four of five and that, folks, are the clicks of the week for us. Uh, can we get in our first ad read? 
Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Yes, we are. But now I am actually going to ask um, Agent 70, before we get into the news, a question. Shoot. Um, to stall for about 30 seconds while I do something that I should have done earlier. We are stalling. <laughs> so, Agent 70, um, what are you looking forward to uh, cinematically? I mean, we, we know what we're going for, 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 for um, uh, movie protocol for, but, you know, is there anything in particular and why? Well, we were discussing this in our pre-production meeting today because we were talking about not going on movie protocol uh, on uh, uh, this week for this week uh, because of uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, I've heard some positive reviews come back in the last day on this movie, and I'm kind of curious now. I'm curious. So I may end up going to see this at some point. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call around, see if anyone wants to go. And if not, I'll end up going on my own. That's okay. Um, ultimately that's probably, you know, in terms of genre esque movie stuff, that's what I'm going to probably try to get in before our next candidate for movie protocol night, which is probably mission impossible. Dead Reckoning Part 1. I think it's yes. Dead Reckoning, right? Yes, that's correct. Part right. 1. Part um, 1. Oh. When was the last time you saw those, the last Mission Impossible movies? I've seen them. I haven't seen them in the theaters. I've seen them when they came out on home video and or other ways. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that's all you needed to say. Fair enough. Right. All right. So have I have watched I have watched those. I I don't think I've watched a Mission Impossible movie in the theater for a while. I feel like I have, and I can't remember which one that was. I know it was definitely the last few because like uh I know I haven't seen like the last one prior to this one. And like just like you, I've seen the the first probably four uh on video or or you know or at home basically. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, no, I want to say I think I saw two. I think I saw the John Woo movie, which is not good, but the, I think I saw no, two in the theater. 
I I I I I would uh, relent to that. I mean, to each his own. But no, I think that movie's better than people give it shit about. Right. But I I I think my friend I I I think uh, uh there was at least a group of friends that got me to go to see that. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think I did see that one in the movie. And I was like, like I said, I happen to like that one. Like it is by not it's not a great um uh um Ang Lee movie. John no. John Woo. Excuse me, John Woo. I don't know why yeah, I said John Ang Lee. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Hulk now. But um yes. Uh, it is not a great John Woo movie, but it's some of that stuff is there. But if, as for a Mission Impossible movie, I think it's better than people give a shit for. <laughs> I think. Anywho, we will probably talk more about that come closer to Dead Reckoning. Now we are actually going to get into the cinematic news, uh, which we've already done the thing. So, uh, first up. Uh, first up, James Gunn's Superman reboot has found its Clark, Clint, Clark, Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Right. This is the big news of the week. Yes. Uh, it is David Corinsweet from Pearl, and uh, who's playing Clark Kent, and Rachel Brosnahan, the marvelous Miss Maisel. One of those properties I know about, but I've, I've not seen either one. She's going to be uh, Lois Lane. Same, same here. So yeah, definitely James Gunn. Actually, to, I guess to his credit, um, James Gunn's going with lesser known folks. I don't um, know about lesser known. At least in the in the in the Clark role, maybe. But a lot of people know who Rachel Brosnahan is. Uh, she's, I would argue, probably lesser known cinematically. Well, okay, so I'm looking at her stuff. She, I'm just saying she's not like, uh, at this point, Scarlett Johansson or some of somebody of, of that type. Right, she's not an Amy Adams. I got you, I got you, I got you. Right, exactly. So, but I'm seeing some of the stuff she's been in. Like, yeah, some people will know her from some, from, from some definitely from some of this stuff. But right. still lesser known than, you know, some, some bigger folks. So, again, to Gunn's credit, I guess that's good. How will they do? Guess we'll find out at some point. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. It doesn't matter what I think about this dude. But <laughs> yeah. he reminds me of someone else, and I was like, the not Clark Kent, definitely. But you know, hey, really? Yeah. He's. I, I've seen pictures where he looks very similar to Cavill. It's almost like a Cavill part deux. I can kind of see that. Also, a little bit of Brendan Fraser. Um, okay, or actually, maybe not. Yeah, well, between him and like, uh, uh, I don't even want to say Jalen Hall or something like that, but you know, somebody else. But regardless, not necessarily Clark Kentish to me. But you know, right, right, right. He's got he's in the gym as we speak. So <laughs> yes, you would think. And I'm I'm fake, pretty much just going off of this picture that is on this article. So I, I can't say that I've seen him in anything else to 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 make that a, a searching. So next up. Aquaman 2 director promises that the sequel coming up this fall or winter acts as a standalone DC film. James Wan explains that we should watch the sequel even if the DCEU is being rebooted. So, um, because it does, even if it doesn't have any, because it won't have any lasting consequences. So, uh, it was envisioned to serve as an isolated story, right? Uh, in, in, in a, 
I guess. Is this an interview with comicbook.com or just a report by comicbook.com? So bottom line, though, is that uh, this upcoming movie was envisioned to serve as an isolated story that doesn't need the context of the wider cinematic universe. Okay. Sure. Um, DC announces three-part superpowered documentary series for Max. Um, it says here an expansion of three-part documentary. It's called, it's called uh, Superpowered the DC Story. Uh, and it will explore DC's history while showcasing over 60 interviews with comic creators and filmmakers. So, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery released a full synopsis of which I'm not going to go into here, but you can check out the article in the show notes about it. And, um, sure. But you can also see the, um, the, I guess the, the poster slash image of said documentary that is going to be streaming July 20th. So I'm pretty likely if uh, Agent 70 and or and I end up uh, watching that, if it's all out uh, at the time, we'll be talking about it. But it even goes into what the first episodes are going to talk about. So somebody's clearly seen it. So next up. Recently surfaced photos from the set of the Sandman season two show reflect the protagonist dream confronting a figure Theorized to be his son, Orpheus. The image published by the Daily Mail shows the Sandman's lead actor, Tom Sturridge, in costume for the second season of the Netflix series. Okay. Yeah. Spawn movie in, quote-unquote, very, very active uh, development, predicted 2025 release, according to uh, Jason Bloom, head of Bloom House Productions, or I guess that's called... Blumhouse Productions. I'm not sure what it's called. Regardless, I think it's oh, I think it's Blum. Blumhouse. Yes, that's probably true. Yes, because the name is Jason, Jason Blum. Sure. Um, but yeah, there long rumored Spawn uh, reboot uh, has been out there for a good while. Um, I don't remember when it landed at Blumhouse, but regardless, according to that, everything I just said is supposedly the case. And it's going to be directed by... Oh, he offered no insight as to whether the movie, which was to be directed by Todd McFarlane, is still with is, is still working with McFarlane's original idea, or whether big changes have been made. So we don't know if McFarlane's still involved and or using anything from McFarlane. And it also sounds like, uh, from that, the script hasn't been completed um, because of the writer's strike. So... Things, things, and things, and things. So, if you're looking forward to a, to the um to another new Spawn movie, excuse me, keep looking. <laughs> Maybe one day it'll show it up. Show up. Next up. Alrighty. So, in tough news for fans of the boys, the boys creator Eric Kripke has confirmed the release of season four has been postponed due to the ongoing Writers Guild of America strike. Despite filming having already concluded on the season earlier this year, long before the strike began, the writing process is not actually complete yet because new lines are being written in post-production. Uh, Kripke took to Twitter to offer an update on The Boy Season 4 and tweeted that the pre- premiere of the new episodes depends on how long the, ju- the WGA strike goes. Put those pins we down. Need the studio, the I was say, we need the studios to make a fair deal. Right. Put the pins down. Make a, Yeah, yeah. Give them, give them their money. Period. 
Um, here we go. You know what, eight to seventy? Why don't you take this one? Since you put, since you were the one who brought this up to me, anyway. Yes, this is awesome, awesome <laughs> news. When I saw this hit my social media feed, I was stoked. This is dope news, folks. A 24-hour Godzilla channel is coming to the Pluto TV app with exclusive film. So, starting on July 1st, Pluto TV is going to launch a new Godzilla channel. So, I am inexperienced in using Pluto TV. So, I tried it, and I saw that there are already some older Godzilla movies on there for um, on-demand streaming. With commercial, inter- you know, with commercial interruption, uh, now there will be an entire Godzilla channel devoted to show 24 hours a day uh, straight Godzilla stuff, and there will be some exclusive films uh, available here to boot that are not available to stream anywhere else. So if you look at this list, there's some really cool movies here. There's a lot of stuff here that is exclusive to Pluto TV that you cannot stream anywhere else unless you go out and buy it on physical media or I don't know if any of this stuff is available digitally like on the Apple, you know, in the uh, in uh, uh, Apple TV or something like that. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, this is welcome news. I love watching Godzilla movies. Just sometimes I'll put it on the background. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Um uh, Shout Factory, which I'm going to assume uh, this is probably coming off of, um, uh, has been showing has been showing a lot of uh, 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 Godzilla movies uh, on their uh, Twitch channel, uh, Tokushatsu, which is the where, where they show all the Power Ranger stuff and whatnot. Well, not all, yeah, basically. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're uh, proud of this. I don't know if this says. I'm kind of surprised because out of everything that they have. Here, I believe they did. They say they had um, the animated stuff in here, also, right? Yeah, I saw it. It's uh, but it's the nineties uh, one, if I'm not mistaken. So basically, what I'm getting to, to there was an eighties Godzilla uh, uh, show that Agent Seven may or may not remember with Godzuki and Godzuki. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was. This list. I don't know. I don't. Uh, well, they're Godzilla showing... the series. Oh no, is that the Godzilla the series? Would that be the? That's the nineties one. The nineties one. Oh, yeah. I apologize. No, 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 no. That's that's what I was wondering because when I saw it, I was like, okay, I remember. I know that one, but I don't remember because I think it was just Godzilla. Um, called Godzilla uh, for the. Um, oh the, yeah, this the is the lizard one. Godzilla. Yeah, that, that's why I don't remember this one. Right, and yeah, this was the 90s one that was pretty much on cable, not on cable, but you know, on <laughs> on the, the afternoon channels. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, good shit, and, and as uh, they record, we're just mere hours away from this channel uh, popping live. I, I don't know if it's going to come pop live uh, at 11 o'clock, which we're almost there, but... Um, um, well, I mean, live. East Coast. I was about to say it probably it will probably be like three in the morning if it goes live West Coast time. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how um how I'll wake and, up to it and test it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember when Pluto TV kind of pops their channels out like that because like yeah, some good stuff. You just have limited commercials unless you I think you can pay them, but why would you? Because you know 
while they're not that many commercials, they do happen often enough, as I was telling uh, Agent 70 uh, prior to the show, or prior to when he told me about this. So, But this is still cool, regardless. Check that out if you feel, if you're, if you're a fan. Uh, Power Rangers TV series departs production in New Zealand, according to a, re- a report. And I say that because um, the place that is reporting this is a fan account, a Twitter fan account uh, on Instagram. So you got to kind of take that for what it is. I would not be surprised at some point uh, that Hasbro has uh, decided to leave New Zealand for, for whatever odd reasons. Uh, even though they went there in the first place because it was cheap, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that might have been before uh, Hasbro bought the Power Rangers license. But anyway, um, but according to this, reportedly the production has been has brought more than three hundred forty million dollars into the local economy in the time that has been uh, in uh, New Zealand, which is like oh, well over twenty years, I think, at this point. Um, and uh yeah oh wait i guess it, i guess well it says here that hasbro confirms that the production is leaving but it is still coming from that same account so uh and looks like um i guess the the, the instagram uh the post has video of that being said but like i said you know, kids still kind of take it for what it is until you see something a little bit more official than a fan account. No offense. Next up. All righty. Tron 3 casts Evan Peters to star opposite Jared Leto. So this is the cast of Tron Ares, the upcoming third installment in Disney's beloved sci-fi franchise. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Peters, who recently headlined the acclaimed Netflix series Dahmer, uh, has closed the deal to star opposite jared leto in aries at this time it is unclear who peters is playing although the film reportedly calls for a soldier in the computer world and an awkward gamer in the human world oh we're going modern oh it's been doing it's it's it's, it's already been that way <laughs> yeah so this is one i i do love me some tron i don't like the fact that this is a jared leto possibly led thing and I can't mm. remember if he was in the second one, which that might have been the case, but I still remember. Evan Peters, some may know that name from Quicksilver in the X-Men, um, uh, X-Men movie. Whichever, right. Whichever one that was. Uh, Days of Future Past, I think that's what it was. Maybe. I think. I Maybe. Think so. Regardless. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Last two I did not see. I have not seen. <laughs> so, yeah, I love Tron. I don't know how to feel about this. I really don't. Uh, next up, though. Uh, oh, whoops. Hang on a second. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. Disney's 100th anniversary. Uh, the studio is re-releasing eight classic movies in theaters. Uh, so beginning July the 7th and ending in October. Uh, let's see. We have launching on July twenty excuse me, July seventh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Cares. Uh they'll be followed by Toy Story, Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, The Incredibles, yay, uh, Coco, Lion King, and Moana. Most of those I have not seen. <laughs> Specifically the very last one, uh 
Frozen. Yeah, it's the most. Uh, yeah, half of those I hadn't seen. I've actually seen all these. Yeah, Coco. Uh, I have not seen actually, Coco. You know, actually, you know what? Except for Curse of the Black Pearl, I think I've yeah. seen that one. I'm not sure. I mean, I depending on what time frame it was, I probably has and just whatever. <laughs> I think that might have been the last one. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't matter. But yeah, most of those are solid bangers. So, you know, uh, can't be mad at it. Uh, anything else outside of that? No word on what theaters are uh, doing or or releasing or doing the re-releases. But you know, uh, it is what it is. There was also the the announcement of a new platinum style series of 4K um, steelbooks and Blu-ray slipcovers because, of course. They gotta take of things course. out of the vault. Yep, they gotta take and bring things out of the vault at will. And in addition to, looks like some of most of those movies mentioned, we have Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Frozen, Encanto, and Toy Story, Coco, and Cars. So, um, yeah, I'm sure look out for that if you're a Disney nut. And looks like, well, I don't know. That just goes into the the the. Uh, working through the steelbook stuff so yeah a lot of things from disney camp next up all right uh captain america brave new world oh, i thought it was new world oh, that's right they changed it from new world order i apologize mm-hmm. i was making jokes about wrestling before so captain america brave new world cinematographer kramer morgenthal shared on his instagram stories that shooting for the latest captain america sequel is now finished and uh you know, he posted a red, white, and blue clapperboard with rap at the bottom. The slate also features Brave New World's logo, Morgenthau's name, and that of the film's director, Julius Ona. Okay. Yeah, so it's a wrap, I guess. Um, obviously, they still got to post and whatnot, so, you know, it's still going to be a while for for us to see that. Um, yeah, I was about to say, funny you mentioned that, because that AEW video game just came out. So I don't know if you follow AEW or wrestling as much at all. No, I haven't watched wrestling in ages. But, you know, when you say New World Order, NWO, that harkens back to a certain era in wrestling. Yep, yep, yep. Although we do know some wrestling fans are on the panel. So Um, James Mangold says Deadpool 3 is a Logan prequel. Um, Okay. Uh, Apparently during an interview on the Happy Sad Confused podcast... Phil Merkel was asked if he found it if found it disappointing that Hugh Jackman is once again playing Wolverine in Deadpool 3 because Logan was meant to be a send-off for Jackson's iteration of the character. Mango replied that he's not meta, and he doesn't think in terms of cinematic universes, only individual movies. However, he admitted that he sees Deadpool 3 taking place before Logan anyway, so it doesn't bother him. Uh, quote, if it works, it works. And I'm not going to go read the rest of that, So, but yeah, sure. Next up. Oh, we are in the anime corner now, right? We are. Classroom of the Elite Season 3 anime premieres this coming January 2024. This much-anticipated sequel had originally been slated for later this year. So it's just a little bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to toss this in here really quick uh, as an aside. Uh, the Witch from the Gundam Witch from Mercury's um, 
uh, voice actor Yohei Azakami has been tested positive for COVID-19. And I'm only mentioning that because COVID is still out there. You, you may still want to mask up. I'm just saying. Um, but to the actual news, uh, and I hope he gets better soon. I'm sure uh, hopefully it's, it's not as bad as it used to be. Or if he even stayed up with that stuff. But anyway. Um, Bungo Stray Dog Season 5 episode count has been revealed. Which I did not know there was another season of that. So that's cool to hear. Um, season 5 is gearing up for its premiere on July 12th. Uh, and the anime is celebrating by revealing that it will be running for 11 episodes in total. Uh, according to a lis- listing for its Disney Plus release in Japan. So it says, um, yeah... Bungo Stray Dogs season five will have two less episodes than season four from earlier this year, around from earlier this year. But it makes a lot of sense considering that it's essentially two batches of episodes hitting in the same year. Yeah, I think that's how they, I remember that's how they, this, this is one of the ones that started doing that. Hey, we're going to do one part now and one part a little later, you know? And also on a side note, they can get more money by breaking them up and selling them like that. So, you know, but regardless, um, I need to catch up on B- Bungo Stray Dogs because I did like that show. Uh, that anime was pretty good. Next up, all right, TMS Entertainment announced this past Thursday, just ye- just yesterday, that Hulu has acquired the rights to the television anime of Yoshifumi Tozuka's Undead Unluck manga and will debut it on the service in October of this year. TMS Entertainment also revealed that the anime will feature at Hulu's Interactive Entertainment Hall activation at Anime Expo 2023 this weekend. Okay. it's a lot of A's. <laughs> also, Anime Expo, uh, Expo this weekend. So, wait. That's a one. Well, I guess that's okay. Stay tuned. I guess there's more anime news we're going to have next week. Yeah, um, we'll have it next. We'll have some next week. It's in, this is the uh, Expo in LA. Right. Um, the first slam dunk anime films, English dub trailer reveals, uh, July 28th, North American opening, uh, and the dub cast. Now we don't necessarily do dubs that much around this part, but nevertheless, if you do, you know, Hey, that's, that, that is your business, but, um, let's see. Yeah. The first slam dunk movie. Um, is like I said, it's July 28th opening and it's going to, uh, it's got subs and dubs. Yes. It's not what I'm looking for. Uh, I guess it's going to be in theaters cause I'm not seeing where it's, uh, directly coming to Crunchyroll or when it's directly coming to Crunchyroll. So I guess, uh, yeah, it's got a theater to release, uh, according to this. So cool. Next up. Ah, uh, this is a rumor. Spy X Families or Spy Family Studios set to create a DC Comics Isekai anime. An upcoming original Isekai anime from Wit Studio, the creators of Spy X Family, is rumored to drag iconic DC characters into another world. A whole new world, as it were. Um... Let's see. It was confirmed earlier in June that Wit Studios and Warner Brothers Japan would be teaming up to work on an Isekai anime project. A recent tweet from source Tanuki uh, alleges that this collaboration will be based on the DC Comics universe, featuring some of the brand's most well-known characters in an as-yet-undisclosed plot focusing on Isekai tropes. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, Isekai is big nowadays, so sure, yeah. why not? Just uh, 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 hold on. Uh, I was just looking for this in the article, and thankfully they have it. Isekai stories are a common staple in the anime manga industry, having grown in popularity throughout the years. The fantasy subgenre typically follows a character as they are transported to a completely different world, usually after dying in the real one. In the real one. Some notable is... Uh, I don't know any of those. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. I was about to mention that because I kind of figured you would have. You, you were going to. Yeah, I was. Looking for, I was looking for that. I was like, oh, please have a definition in here. Yeah. So you've seen. You you've seen. I, I you. I you may at this point have seen a stranger in a strange land uh, trope. Uh, maybe mm. maybe not in uh, anime, but you've definitely seen it. You know, Wizard of Oz. Right. I guess most notably. Right. Uh, but um, uh, of these ones that they mentioned. Uh, Uh, an upcoming isekai manga will turn Spider-Man's Doc Ock into a Japanese schoolgirl. I might have to look for that. That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, there's a couple of these I, I, or there's at least one of these I know, but the rest of these, yeah, I don't, I have not, I've not seen any of them. So, um, apparently there's also a trailer for a Spike family or a spy family trailer for a movie. That's also looks like coming out, uh, from the studio. So that's cool. Uh, it's called spy family code white. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, they, they talk about Attack on Titan, which Agent 70 loves, uh, Finland Saga, which has a season three and Reckoning of Kings, which I know a lot of people, uh, really like that I've not seen. So that's cool. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, we'll have more information on whether this rumor is, uh, any truth to it or not, uh, next week because of, uh, Anime right. Expo. Right. Um, next up though, we're going into the manga corner. Uh, which, uh, which, we'll, we'll keep that the way it is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll play something. I just was on the wrong uh, sound effect page. <laughs> oh, rip super friends. Um, on June 22nd, uh, the, Jap- the Japan Football Association, that's, that will be soccer to us in the, here in the States, announced uh, the inductees of the 19th Japan Football Hall of Fame on their f- official website. Um including the internationally popular sports manga Captain Tsubasa, author Yuichi Takahashi. Uh, he's joined by Hideo Sawa, uh, Kaniwa Denya, uh, Sergio Ichigo, and members of the Japan Women's National Soccer Team 2011, also known as uh, Nadeshiko Japan. The award was established in 2005 to honor those who have made outstanding contributions to Japanese soccer over the years. And it goes into explanation and all that, but sure, Captain Tsubasa is a, a song, soccer manga slash uh, anime, so I guess that, that makes some sense. I heard, I know some people like, I've heard some people like it, but I've never seen any of it. But uh, next up, I'm fairly certain it's out there on Crunchyroll. Next up. So next up, the clock is ticking down on My Hero Academia, the manga. The series began exploring its final act some months ago, and creator Kohei Horikoshi is keeping the story rolling. There's a lot happening now, and uh, the most recent chapter apparently teases the uh, the giving uh, the, the the one of the, the main villain characters t- finally taking on a villain name because we know her as Toga, but she may end up taking on a villainous code name in the near future. Toga, 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 
I'm sorry, sorry. It's <laughs> Animal House. Y'all, every time I hear Toga, I gotta, gotta do it. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen manga expands over to over 80 million copies printed and sold. Uh, which, by the way, season two of the of the anime is going to happen in a couple of short weeks. So, yay! Wow. Yeah. Um, ahead of the release of the 23rd volume of Gege uh, Adotami's, Akutami, excuse me, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen manga series on July 4th, the official Twitter account revealed the whopping statistics for the series, which is the one I just gave. Um, this includes reprints of the last 22 volumes, as well as Jujutsu Kaisen Zero whose anime uh, movie I still have not seen yet. I feel so bad about that. Um, it says here, to celebrate the milestone, a live-action video will be shown during the first TV broadcast of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero in Japan on July the 5th. Um, while the video won't have any of the characters appearing in live-action, the video will, quote, capture the worldview of the series in live-action. So, Cool. And it also notes that um, the the anime will return on will return on July sixth in Japan. I think it's the twelfth here, or maybe actually I don't know. If I can't remember. If it's going to be the day after uh, here in the states, but Northern Crunchyroll might be the day after. Um, so could be on the sixth, on the seventh. Next up, this week, this month actually, uh, in July. Uh, no, June is uh, I guess the. So this month is the 55th anniversary of Manga Juggernaut Weekly Shonen Jump. And to celebrate, two of the biggest series in Jump history will be getting new stories. The first will be a new Kochikami one-shot on July 10th, with the previously announced Minato one-shot being published on July 18th. And uh, yeah, that's big. So that that the Naruto manga is is the Minato one. Yeah. That's that that's crazy. Is that a reason for us to dive in on a shonen jump uh, <laughs> uh we've been folks, putting it off folks behind the scenes i actually know we've even talked about it on the show before yeah we've been d- debating about adding the shonen jump app to our to our repertoire along with um marvel unlimited and released by me uh dc um right unlimited so yeah we'll 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 see whether that happens or not uh folks most likely, probably, yes, at some point. Also, it looks like Captain Tsubasa is not on Crunchyroll, so I stand corrected. Um, um, so maybe it's out on Hulu or something, I don't know. Uh, Comic-Con Museum to feature Cowboy Bebop 25th Anniversary Art Museum, My Hero Academia Statue, and I guess some other stuff. Um, man, San Diego Comic-Con is um, coming upon us very fast, actually. Uh, so it says here, in co- collaboration with the Comic-Con Museum, Crunchyroll is announcing today, or, or when they just, just got brought out, that uh, those two things I mentioned are going to be exhibits uh, opening on July 18th. So the Cowboy Bebop 25th Anniversary Art Exhibit and the My Hero Academia installation, like I said. The Comic-Con Museum will be open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. from Tuesday, July 18th to Sunday, July 23rd, with um, the museum open on Monday, July 24th after Comic-Con. And it gives admission prices. So if you're going to be out uh, at San Diego, uh, get some pictures, send them to us, because uh, we're not going to be there. We know somebody who will. Not this year. Really? Oh no! I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about us. We oh be there. oh oh oh! I was about to say, wait, that would be that's a first. <laughs> yeah, that would be news if our very own Atman Wang ninety seven did not go. 
Right? I was about to say, damn, you had me scared for a second. I was like, whoa. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. My but bad. Yes. No, no, no. It's all good. But yes, we definitely won't be out there. Hopefully one of these years we will. Um, maybe. So, and have the whole crew out there. But I, I know at least one of them definitely not going to make that trip. <laughs> Next up, though. Actually, speaking of. Huh. Oh, look at that. Okay. Hey, speaking of. Um. No, well, he would go because I mean his job would probably be like, yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, our very own Tim Dog ninety eight also has, has gone with Green Arrow number three of six as his click of the week. So going back to that. So cool. Yeah, like I said, that was a good read. I enjoyed it, and and like I said, there it implies some things that uh, retcon some things. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, is this me or you? I can't remember. <laughs> Wait, what are we up to? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, no, this is me. Okay. This is me. So Yu-Gi-Oh enemy controller becomes real, doesn't literally let you control your enemies. Okay. Um, so this is a, a replica of, uh, a, a, of, uh, of, I guess, the, uh, the controller from the enemy controller card in Yu-Gi-Oh. Right. So, yeah, and we're kind of getting into a little toy corner here with this, but we don't necessarily need a... Um <laughs> we don't need a, a sound bite for this. So yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well yeah, it's it's a thing. If you're a big enough uh, Yu-Gi-Oh fan and probably use that card or whatever it does, uh yeah. Have that. Which I feel like the name is pretty self explanatory. Um cool. Avatar the Last and Bear Airbender, excuse me, Quest for Balance has been announced on all major platforms coming this fall. Uh, developer Bamtang Games and publisher Games Mill Entertainment has announced uh, said uh, said game, which is an upcoming action adventure game that will let you play solo or in two player, local or uh, online co op, um, as your choice of nine different Avatar: The Last Airbender characters. Again, it's due out this fall on all major platforms, that being PC, uh, Switch, the Playstations, both PS4 and 5, both Xboxes uh, of Series and 1, and whatnot. Um, so pretty much everything. <laughs> no surprises. Um, I I saw this announcement, but I didn't get this. I didn't see the um, the trailer for this. So I might check this out later. Next up. All righty. Give me a moment. I got sidetracked on something. <laughs> All right. Adventure Time. Uh, TTRPG announced. Okay. Cryptozoic Entertainment has announced plans to develop a tabletop role-playing game based on the beloved Pendleton Ward series Adventure Time. Okay. Uh, I guess cool. I got to open this to see. Pricing and date. I don't think so. uh, they don't have one yet. Oh no, they're going to launch a Kickstarter for Adventure Time, the role-playing game, later this summer. Right. Okay, that makes I'm, sense. And I'm, so you can check out the Kickstarter. There's a link here in the article. I feel like that's going to make it if it if uh, uh, if anything else does. I I I I, I suspect <laughs> people yeah. love them some uh, Adventure Time, and people love tabletop role-playing games. It's a match made in something. Ooh, whatever, if that's the name of the place. Anywho, uh, Skybound Entertainment launches Walking Dead and Invincible Tabletop Games, which, uh, just like the Adventure Time top, uh, Tabletop Games, I'm surprised that they didn't already have them. Hmm. Um, 
But yeah, so let's see who's. Well, I I assume Skybound Skybound is doing this. So yeah, um, any what are the particulars? Uh, games will pre- feature iconic art from Skybound's flagship flagship comic universes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yada yada yada. The both games will be available for purchase online at, on both Skybound Entertainment and uh, Manic Games, I guess, who's doing it, uh, official website. I'm not seeing, however, when these are coming out or prices. Uh, and looks like they're going to be of the card and dice variety, according to this article. So if that is your type of uh, a tabletop game, run with it. Next up. Titan Entertainment unveils a Doctor Who and My Hero Academia merchandise for San Diego Comic-Con. This is an exclusive to comicbook.com and written by our very own at TimDog98, Timothy Adams. So some fun merchandise tied to Doctor Who and My Hero Academia is coming just in time for San Diego Comic-Con. So uh, take a look through this article. You'll see uh, 13-piece TARDIS enamel pin collection. Uh, Some... Kawaii and classic vinyl figures of Doctor Who, uh, some glow in the dark Kawaii vinyl figures from My Hero Academia, three inch uh, tall figures, Dobby and Shigaraki. So that's cool. Oops, I'm sorry, I'm facing the wrong way. There you go. You see that all that. If you're watching the video version, you can you saw me scrolling through all of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I feel like I know some people who will probably go for that pin set. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem Funko Pops and Soda are now on sale. Uh, the closer we get to San Diego Comic-Con, the more this stuff is going to be coming out, folks. So <laughs> buckle up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the Funko Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem Funko Pop also comes before that new movie that is, um... Uh, that is uh, coming out, and it is in the style of the turtles from said movie. So there is that. Uh, do we have a price? I don't think so. Um, but yeah. So yeah, we just yeah. So there's sodas, there are keychains, and there's other stuff, but no price. All these, uh, from what I'm seeing here, but as as closer we get to the movie, actually I can flick through, but I don't feel like it. No, actually I take the back. I will. Um, it's already out of stock. No price. Never mind. Next up, <laughs> Hasbro's new Indiana Jones toys relive the Last Crusade. Plus, there's a little glimmer of some more Dial of Destiny figures on the way. So to celebrate the release of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny this week, Hasbro decided to mostly ignore that movie and show us a whole host of toys from the the climactic entry in the original indie trilogy, The Last Crusade. Did they choose wisely? I have to say that Last Crusade, while it's not the best Indiana Jones movie of the original trilogy, I personally have it as my favorite. I think uh, Law of Raiders is still the best one, but this is personal. This has like a, I have a real soft spot for this movie because it's just really fun. I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Yes, because I mean, let's face it. Your your first your first one of whatever um, your favorite franchise is is probably going to be your favorite. Definitely, uh, Raiders is is that for me uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Seeing it as a Ute. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Last Crusade wasn't bad, and and you know, like I said, I have a I have a soft spot for Last Crusade. I feel like this. It's definitely well. It is being that it's the last in the trilogy, or the what was at the time the trilogy. It's probably right. the best of, or the second best of those movies. Because let's face it, after that we got like Christmas Skull and <laughs> right, 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 and right, whatnot. Right. So it's Phoenix, kind of the dog Indiana. Yes, and you got moments like that for Sean Connery. So you 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 can't dislike that movie for that, or you can, but you'd be a bad <laughs> person for doing so. Um, yeah, and I know people didn't like Temple of Doom, but you know, and, well, Temple wait, of Doom was traumatic. You know, there that. was a lot of stuff going on in Temple of Doom, and what we did not know at the time it was a prequel. So, right. to Raiders, which actually is prompting me to probably go watch, uh, watch it in that order, watch the movies in that order, like do Temple of Doom first, then Raiders, and then um, right, uh, um, Last Crusade, and then finally get to the last one. All right. So what's cool about what's cool about clicking through the slideshow here is that you can get to all the figures and you can see that Henry Jones, the senior, um, uh, uh, Sean Connery's uh, character comes with an umbrella, which he absolutely needs. Of course. And obviously a diary. Oh, and his briefcase, of course. Yep. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. And if you're watching the video version, you saw you, you see me flipping through them, of which I just got to. Uh, the oh, and it comes with a little table with a bunch of grails. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the, the grail knight comes with that, I guess. Hmm. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Then there's, there's a knight you have chosen wisely. Yeah, there you go. I you, mm, got too much already. I would almost. <laughs> almost. And again, as Agent 70 said, you got the table right here. Make sure you pick the right one. Um, yeah. And make sure Elsa... Yes, and and make sure you talk Elsa off the ledge, actually. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. Anyway, all right, next up. Uh, Marvel Legends Nighthawk and Blur Squadron Supreme 2 pack is on sale. Uh, This is, let's say, the current version of Nighthawk, uh, the black version. (laughs) Right. The original white version of Nighthawk uh, and uh, Blur, who uh, remains to be white. But um, looks like priced at $49.99, which, sure, it's a two-pack. That's what happens. Um, and then they did, I guess they mentioned the Doctor Spectrum and uh, uh, Hyperion two-pack, which is also on sale, but that's been on sale for a minute. So Cool. Next up. All right, next up in uh, Marvel Unlimited... Uh, a story that you know you read scrolling up and down as in the form of an infinity comic captain marvel and war machine go on vacation so you can jump on that if you have a marvel unlimited subscription yep not a sponsor just a source as, as we tend to say yes it is a tool of our trade indeed i am actually curious about this because we know very little to anything about their relationship at this point. Right. Uh, Spider-Man size. T- oh, this has caused a little hubbub, uh, in the past few days, but, uh, Spider-Man's sidekick, Spider-Boy gets his own Marvel series. Um, yeah. So that's this and the next story. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, matter of fact, I will take that next story because, like I said, he's been getting a little bit of hubbub because of the fact that Spider Boy has um, Spider Boy has a new ongoing, and uh, some people are well, obviously, people are are going like, "Why?" And I'm kind of in that camp, but at the same time, people are like, "Well, why does this character?" get a, uh, a new ongoing when there are characters of color that are struggling with um, just getting miniseries you know and, and the like so and um, Dan Slott pretty much went out there and says um, on his Twitter which I'm showing right now on the video version why is Marvel giving Spider-Boy a, a monthly book because uh, every comic he's been in, Spider-Man 7, 8, 9, and Edge of Spider-Verse number 3, sold out and went back to press in record time. There was no original plan for Spider-Boy to get a book. Fans made this happen. Thank you! He And yes, he did say it with that kind of, uh, with all caps and exclamation. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Now, that being said, you know, still... The, there are some good points when people are talking about, but nevertheless, the, part of what he said is, well, not even part of what he said. What he says is true. Yeah, that money drives everything. And if these books are selling out because people are hungry for first appearance money, you know, for, for resale speculation money, then right. that's, where, that's why these uh, characters get series. You know, right. it's, you know, whether or not there's longevity, there's, there's staying power there, that's up to the fans. Right. So, like, it's still kind of a bummer in, in, in relation to uh, other characters that we that we like that are, like I said, struggling, but the reality is sadly there. Right. Next up, Marvel just gave Miles Morales his own Iron Spider armor. So, in the latest issue of Miles Morales Spider-Man, this runs number seven, a book that I read sort of just to skim it and then i realized that it's still more carnage on no or whatever carnage unlimited or whatever which is why i put um, this in here because we're neither one of us are reading that thing right exactly so yeah basically he got a, an iron spider type costume because he was injured yep and there would probably would have been some other way white when he would have gotten an iron spider <laughs> at some point you got him a I'm sure this will you'll see that costume again in the in the Spider-Man 2 video game. Um and a, and a, and an action figure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to save that for next week, but the uh, the comic history of Blade is being uh revisited in an all new Infinity Comic series Blade the First Bite, <laughs> which is also a prelude to July's Blade number 1. Uh, this is on uh, comics. On, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, no, it is not. It is on Marvel Unlimited in Infinity Comic form, and uh, written by uh, former guest of the show Brian Hill. Um, looks like with I am assuming art duties by uh, Mac Chater or Chatter and Dan Brown, not the author. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it looks like it's just gonna go through the life and times of uh, Blade, you know, so people can get caught up. Uh, because I don't know how much uh, Blade actual comics are on Marvel Unlimited at this point, but I'm sure some of them, most of that stuff will probably likely show up by the time the movie does. Hopefully. If the movie actually shows up at this point, because that thing is in limbo. All right. 
and obviously nice. not benefiting at all, but you know, being hurt by the current writer strike. So exactly. Next up, all right, next next up, Marvel's going to collect J. Michael Straczynski and Kieran Gillen's Thor comics in a single hardcover omnibus. So Thor by Straczynski and Gillen will include Straczynski's storyline in which the Norse gods return to Earth and find themselves in a small town in a small Brox- a town called Broxton, Oklahoma. And Gillen's tale of Loki's trickery spinning out of control. So this is going to be a 1,144-page omnibus. And uh, it will go on sale on January 24th, 2024, with two covers by Lee Boypel. The uh, MSRP will be $125. Pretty standard for omnibus. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's funny because... Um I, I remember Broxton coming up and whatnot, but I don't remember ever reading when that happened, uh, when when any of that happened. So, not saying I will probably do it so now, but hey, nevertheless. Uh, I'm going to throw in one other piece of news real quick, because I, I think this may or may not be of interest to um, Agent 70, myself, and a few other folks. Yelena Belova <laughs> gets her first ser- uh, solo series as The White Widow. Um, so former Black Widow, Yelena Belova, now called the White Widow, will uh, get her first fellow series with her new identity. Uh, Marvel Comics will launch the four-issue miniseries White Widow by writer Sarah Gailey and artist uh, Alessandro Miracolo on November 1st, 2023, with a cover by Dave Marquez. So, cool. Will she sound like uh, uh, Florence Pugh? <laughs> Only time will tell. Um, but to the actual news, uh, uh, as Iron Fist turns 50, Marvel collects the early stories into a massive uh, omnibus, which includes uh, black and white magazine stories and Colin Wing uh, Misty Knight spinoff. So it says here that Iron Fist made his first appearance in uh, Marvel Comics May 1974, excuse me. And uh, the new omnibus will uh, collect all its early adventures ahead of its 50th anniversary, uh, including the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Iron Fist, Danny Rand, um, Bizarre Adventures, Marvel Team Up, uh, Marvel Premiere, and um, Iron Fist uh, 1975, 1-15. Um, Chris Claremont, amongst other folks, uh, are, are you know creative uh, who did that? Tony Isabella also in there. Uh, uh, Lynn Wayne, Roy Thomas, Bill Batman, Low. The names you would you know know from that time frame if you're of a certain vintage. Uh, so yeah, look out for that if you're a fan of the character at this point. Next up, a fan favorite Star Trek Lower Decks character will get a solo spotlight as part of Star Trek's first ever comic book crossover, Day of Blood. IDW Publishing's current Star Trek line occurs within the established Star Trek canon, and uh, some fan and fans have gotten a glimpse into the history of Lieutenant Shax, the USS Cerritos's chief security officer in Star Trek Lower Decks. So IDW has announced a new one-shot Day of Blood tie-in, Star Trek Day of Blood, Shax's best day. Ryan North is writing the issue. Uh, let's see. Looking for Star Trek's Day of Blood goes on sale. Day of Blood number one goes on sale on July 19th. Right. The Day of Blood Shax's best day goes on sale on September 27th. 
And Shaxx, for, for some of some may or may not know, Shaxx is a part of that new uh, Star Trek ongoing also, which is why it's, it is also has the Day of Blood banner, because he's in that event and on that ship that uh, Cisco and them are on. The Theseus. So, which is also weird, because it's like Lord Dex. Huh? I, I've watched a couple episodes of that. It's kind of it's a weird show. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, tie, uh, and Stranger Things crossover. First look has been revealed... Uh, if you are so interested, you can check out some preview pages uh, in this um, article. July 12th, uh, 2023 uh, is when this crossover is going to start. I don't know if I'm going to read this or not. Because I only know about half of the crossover. <laughs> so, we shall see. Next up. Uh, Skybound's Transformers may redeem the Autobot Cliffjumper. Okay. Uh, Cliffjumper has been revealed as one of the five Autobots who make up the new Transformers comics main cast. This means that he'll likely take the place of the immensely popular Bumblebee. Yeah, ironic. Um, it put, finally puts Cliffjumper in the spotlight. Somebody needed to, but it probably won't happen. Bumblebee's too far out there at this point. But we'll see what they do with this Energon universe. Uh, the Brave and the Bold reinvents Joker and Batman's first ever battle. This is for, these are spoilers for Batman: The Brave and the Bold, which came which is on sale this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, apparently, um, said issue reimagines the Dark Knight in the Joker's very first encounter in the second issue. Um, uh, it says, while the premise of the, the, the Bruce Wayne and Joker's first encounter are similar, uh, Brave and the Bold number two gives fans a darker take on their first battle in nearly every way. Have you ever danced with the devil in a pale, pale blue mic? I always say that of all, but pray. I, I don't think they're doing that, but you know, just had to bring that up. Next up. All righty, last. But not least. Iconic Superman editor Mike Carlin retires from DC after 37 years. He's a longtime DC editor, obviously, who was notably the Superman group editor during the triangle years of the Superman titles, which most famously included the death of Superman in 1992. He has now retired from DC. So he made the announcement on the Facebook page of his wife. Okay. Yeah, so this this is kind of old news at this point because this was uh, this article was published in May, but we didn't talk about it, and at least I don't remember him talking about it. Mike Carlin, and if you have a certain vengeance, um, in, if you're not a DC fan, um, maybe remember him from his um, his days at Marvel, where he uh, spends a considerable lot of time before going over to DC. So, hey, hope he's doing well. <laughs> and that, folks, is it. Uh, for the news section, I believe one agent seventy has uh, some some to- some toy corner. Bit. Yes, yes. So this week, I I did in fact get around to ordering something that Roddy Cat thought I was going to order right away. <laughs> Came in, and they're actually pretty cool. So these are the the Bandai or Bandai. High definition Ultimate Legends figures for Demon Slayer. So you have. I'm going to shut off my virtual background so we can show these. Okay. We have the Tanjiro Kamado or Kamado Tanjiro. 
figure. These are five inch figures. So these are uh, bigger than uh, G.I. Joe, but smaller than uh, Marvel Legends. I think they're five inch. Well, you know, actually, no, they're, they're probably less. They might be four inch figures, but they're not as uh, I think the scale is a little bigger. I think they're four inch figures bigger than um, uh, G.I. Joe, like the three and three quarter. We have a Zenitsu. It's pretty cool. And we have an Inusuke. And of course, if you are a fan of the Comic Book Chronicles, you know I am not a fan of statues or statuettes of my figures. I would much rather be able to pose my figures the way I want to pose them. So that's why I enjoy having, you know, like being an adult collector of action figures because I get to basically put these figures into poses and leave them the way I want them as opposed to, you know, having a statue that a sculptor has already predetermined for me to be the best and most optimal expression of the character and their art. I'm happy to have these. I'm very disappointed that there is no Nezuko. And Roddy Cat and I had this discussion just prior to the show when I was talking about having these for Toy Corner. And the disappointment lays in the fact that there is still a perception in the, you know, toy industry and the toy adjacent industry that toys of female characters do not sell. And that unfortunately sometimes bears out. And that's why we don't get that many of them. Right. Well, specific stuff, because if it's like the, 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 you know, Yes, what AJ7 is definitely said, but if it's certain stuff uh, that is less than right, marketed yeah, you're, you're speaking to the exception. Yeah, go right. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. A, a certain set of, um, of, of, of ones do sell, but still probably not as well as, you know, because it's for a specific audience, let's just say. Uh, the, the figures that he has and the people who would buy, buy those kind of type of, of figures and Marvel Legends or whatnot, and unfortunately, that's where the, the, the problem is, you know, because I would love to have a Nezuko, you know, with and without, without a box, you know? Right. That, that she comes in. I don't know you'd be able to put it on um, um, on, on dude's back or not, but hey, um, whatever. Um, and I was actually kind of wondering, is there a ring Goku? No, not in this not in this wave. This wave just has three characters in it. But we'll probably get one. They're likely that we'll get one faster than a Nesco figure, which is mm, yeah, more likely. Yeah, I agree. So because of the nature of how the market goes, it looks at uh, we don't necessarily rehash all of that. But yeah, it's kind of a sad state of affairs. Um, and that the way you just relegate uh, the the female toys to certain to, to certain areas. Right. So, anyway, that's pretty cool, though. Um, and uh, yeah, dis- despite the fact that Agent Seventy did not get it when I thought he was going to get it, he still got it. So <laughs> I got it like what a week. Yeah, it wasn't that Later long afterwards. Time. So <laughs> I feel justified. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I. I, I delayed my gratification a little longer than Roddy Cat thought I, I would be able to. Uh-huh. That sounds like spite, but you... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to do it just because he said I'm going to do it, but I know that's not the case, but... 
Anyhow, uh, let's get one last ad read in, sir. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron. And it's meal delivery service. You get fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. Agent Seven said, "You don't know my life, but you kind of do just a little bit." <laughs> uh, and with that, folks, we have come to an end of another fine show. Uh, thank you each and every one of you all for for coming out, whether it be live or um, after the fact. Uh, again, no. Um, wait, what's next week? Next week is uh, well. One, first of all, um, going into July. Uh, Happy 4th of July to those that celebrate because um, after the, we'll be re- uh, recording after that or after the holiday. Right. Or, the, right. you know, yeah, you know what I mean. The, the holiday will become before we record. So enjoy that. Uh, be safe and all that kind of good good jazz. But also we will not be on the movie protocol because there is nothing that we're, we'll be going on movie protocol for. Maybe right. we'll have we'll have seen um, uh, Indiana Jones by then. Who's to say? Right. Let's hope that uh, we get our books in a timely fashion this week. That's, you know. There is that also, because it will definitely be the holiday uh, 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 and holiday issue, if that's the case. But exactly. Exactly. Like, I, I will say that, uh, 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 you know, my personal work schedule got a little crazy in the early part of the week and made the week go slowly. But the last part of the week was just waiting for the weekend to come because there ain't nobody working Friday before this kind of long weekend. And I suspect some of them stopped working Thursdays. Thursday. Yep. <laughs> so with that, uh, I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. Find me at News News Need on Twitter. Find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Um... PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com is all the umbrella sites they're in. Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter. You can also find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. The Click Nation uh, on Twitter. You can also find him at theclicknation.com. But most notably, you can find him at comicbook.com under Timothy Adams, writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network at cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast proposal place of choice, whether it be Google, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us recording every Thursday night, most every Thursday night, uh, 9 30 ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, and uh, hit the notification button so that you know when we are on live. 
We may be adding another service, but more on that later. Um, wait, I did say uh, CSPN, right? I don't, I don't remember what I'm saying right now. It's late, folks. It's uh, late. Yeah, CSPN. Uh, CSPN.us was where you can find us. If I didn't say so, but I probably did. Uh, you'll be joining us soon, but you won't. Anyway, folks, that is the end of this here podcast. This has been the uh, the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Please have a happy and safe 4th of July. And knowing is half the battle. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your